Welcome to the Sheridan Sport Backpage Podcast. My name is Andrew Nixon and I head up the sports and esports team at Sheridan's. The Backpage Podcast is all about hearing from inspiring and interesting people across the business of sport and esports. We are keen to hear from them about their own career journeys, as well as the trends that are shaping the future of sport and esports and the opportunities and challenges facing the sports and esports industry during these uncertain times. On today's episode, Chris Paget and I are joined by Simon Dent, founder and CEO of the brilliant creative agency Dark Horses. Simon and I actually go back a long way, a very long way in fact, to the University of Kent at Canterbury in the late 90s, albeit we didn't really know each other until we started working together 11 or 12 years ago. And it's been fascinating to watch Simon's career develop in that time, from starting out as a lawyer to becoming a sports and talent agent, and then moving into the creative agency space before launching Dark Horses four years ago. I think you'll find our conversation with Simon enjoyable, engaging and human. We talk about a range of topics from the impact of COVID-19 and the opportunities it has created for Dark Horses. We also talk about Simon's views on leadership and team building, and we discuss mental health in sport, something Simon and his team are very passionate about with their great work on the FA's Heads Together campaign and most recently the Milestone campaign alongside Chris. Simon also discusses his views on the narrative surrounding women's sport as well as some of the content, podcasts and books he has found helpful. We even debate the benefits of getting up every day at 5am, a ritual Simon is firmly committed to. We really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you have any feedback or ideas for future podcasts, please do get in touch with me or one of the Sheridan sport team, that being Johnny, Dan, Chris, Alex, Sarah, Ryan, or L. Here's our chat with Simon Dent. I hope you enjoy it. Obviously, we're recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic, which has obviously had an enormous impact on the sports industry. And I think it's fair to say we'll come back to that a bit later on. But I wanted to just talk a bit about dark horses first of all yeah over the last three years and certainly over the last 18 months you guys have uh, in my view made a major impact on the sector and i wanted to to give the listeners listeners some insight into how you've gone about that but also get some insight as to how things were looking for dark horses pre-covid 19 how your start to 2020 was looking obviously we can segue into the, the issues with with covid uh, later on but i'd be interested to get that kind of general overview just to kick things off well first thanks for having me on um it's good to see you guys good to see you both looking so well um yeah with regards to um dark horses and the, the last 18 months i think and, and i suppose where we've come from i mean the truth is the journey started um actually f- just almost four years ago exactly um and when i made the decision to attempt to launch a creative agency um, I guess the one thing I stumbled across immediately was that I knew my limitations and I knew what I didn't know. And I think that it was probably the first time in my life that if I'm honest with myself, I didn't think I knew best and I didn't think I knew everything. And I made a decision to approach, um, a creative agency to help sort of bring the vision to life. And that vision was, um, the sort of, uh, a creative agency um, for the world of sport. Now, obviously, I knew sport, I knew sport business, but I didn't know much about creative agencies. 
barely knew nothing. So, yeah, I, I very quickly found myself at the door of Lucky Generals, who at the time in in 2016 and even to this day now are one of the best creative agencies in the world. And and I sat down with them and took the, the founders of Lucky Generals through my vision of where I think this niche in the market existed. And that was this sort of agency with high level strategic thinking um, and quality creative for the world of sport. And, you know, it was never about being down necessarily on the other agencies out there because there are lots of very good sports marketing agencies. But I think yeah. what we've really seen in the last 18 months is probably the two years of setting up really starting to, to come to the surface. I think that, again, if I'm honest, the guidance that I had from the founders of Lucky Generals, um, I think w- was, um, in, you know, we wouldn't be here without them. I think that um, my naivety of the creative agency world became has become a competitive advantage. I think that um, I'm very aware of what I can do and what I can't do. And again, I think that comes with experience and age. And I think, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm not micromanaging people because quite frankly, I don't really know what they're doing half the time. Um, I'm like a conductor. <laughs> I'm like a conductor that sits in the middle um, and make sure... I know everyone, how you feel. <laughs> but make sure everyone has an instrument that works and I just try and, and get a good tune out of everyone. And I think that's where, um, you know, if you were a 30-year legend of the advertising or creative agency world and went to set up an agency... Um, you would have a real challenge on your hands, I think, because you'd always be challenged by, um, I guess, having been in similar situations before, wanting to have your say on how things are done. Whereas, you know, for us, recruitment has been incredibly key and I've had to empower every single person in the agency um, to do their jobs. And I think inadvertently, by not micromanaging, we've got a really empowered workforce um, that is, you know... I'd say for probably everyone is um, their output is probably above most other agencies because they've been given so much responsibility. Yeah, I mean we we've had um, the good fortune of um, you know liaising with speaking to working with uh, a lot of the guys and, and girls in your team and, and and there's no doubt that they are world class creatives, but they're also you know as we see it world class human beings. And I suppose was that was that a a key point for you when you were kind of building that team around you obviously yes you wanted those world-class creatives but you wanted world-class people world-class human beings at the same time yeah i think so and i think it was um i think patience was really important i think that you know bear in mind the agency was set up four years ago so you know i was kind of late 30s and, and suddenly my my hierarchy of needs and my priorities in life had started to change a bit i just got married yeah um my first child was on his way and i think i just had different um priorities in in what i was trying to to build with the agency i think that it was never about profit it was never about fame or fortune um and it's funny i often joke and and actually i do remember it at the time after ralph was born and, and paternity leave ended i remember going to going into work and thinking you know, if this is somewhere I'm going to spend every day and be away from Ralph and Lucy, this has to be, you know, an incredible place. Like, I've been in lots of jobs in my life where, you know, you're, you're looking at your watch, you're looking at your clock, you resent them. You, And actually, I just, it became a real thing that I wanted to create somewhere where everyone was happy because 
you know, there isn't much worse than not enjoying your job. And I know that's easy to say, and we are in privileged positions, but that became a real driver for me. And I think that the first thing that you have to get right is the people. And I think, you know, I was very fortunate that employee number one was a, a, a really well, one of my best friends now, called Dan Cunningham. And Dan came in and just set the standard. And I think every single recruitment decision we've made since then has been, it's been made as a group. Um, you know, it's by no means just me, you know, meeting people. A lot of people come for recommendations, but I'm a big believer in, in not just judging someone on what their CV says and what their work experience says or their, you know, universities or degrees or schools because quite frankly i wouldn't like to be judged that way you know you know I, i've i've set up this creative agency you could never have judged me on my, my creative capabilities but i'm definitely willing to give people the opportunity and the chance and i think we've got a really nice blend of people who've come from a so many different backgrounds that you know today we've been we've been quite fortunate that it's created a good culture yeah it's um i mean obviously prior to dark courses you were at bbh you must have taken a lot from that experience both in relation to um i guess the positive aspects of it but also in relation to the things that you wanted to do differently i think you've identified some of those aspects when you talked about um the people and the team that you wanted to to build and the leadership group that you wanted to to, to create um but were there other aspects that you learned from, from bbh that you, you wanted to kind of perhaps change or tweak uh, when you, you when you set up dark courses yeah, and that, that's right. I mean, just, yeah, you're quite right. In, in, it was March 2014, I was given the opportunity to go into BBH and help set up BBH4. And that at the time was Ben Fennell, the CEO, Lawrence Lallio, and, and they got me in and I, and I helped them with that. And that was a fabulous project. And it was an amazing place. And it really it was my first experience of the creative agency world. Um, yeah. It was, um, you know, I, still to this day, it was, it was an incredible experience. And it really changed my life, to be honest with you. And I think that, I learned a lot about um, bringing, I suppose, the um, the team ethics of sport into your business. Obviously, when you've got someone like Lawrence at the helm, that, that was an incredible experience. And Ben Fennell himself, you know, played representative rugby for England. So there was this really interesting blend of sort of real rigour around the work, high performance creativity, but also the sort of heartbeat of teamwork. Um, and that was something I, I, I really admired, and, and I, I, I really—I think I did take on to, to dark courses. I suppose the big—the big difference between there's a number of differences, but one of the differences I think um, that has been hugely beneficial for us is that we are small. You know, the agency is—it's you know 35 people, 40 people. Um, we can move very quickly. We all can sit in one room and see each other. You know, we can all go for lunch together, dinner together, the pub together. I think when you have an organisation such as BBH where, you know, I was in the London office with, I think, six 600 people maybe, any organisation that size, it, it's really, really hard and it's really challenging. I think it's weird. We, I suppose a year ago when we really hit our stride and, you know, Adweek voted us, I think, the third fastest growing agency in the world, it was sort of, I, there was this real moment in time where I was like, wow, this is, you know, before we know it, we could be 100 people, 200 people, but that's where I was sort of like, actually is that good for dark courses? Is, is that, is that right? Is that sustainable? Is that where we want to go? So yeah, we've had this exponential growth after the last 18 months. Um, well, obviously that that's come to a bit of a screeching halt recently, but um, 
yeah, I think the, the, the size of the agency has been a huge competitive advantage to us as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the, 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 the COVID aspect in a minute. I know Chris has a couple of points on that, but, but in terms of um, that, that staged or phased growth of, of, of dark horses, I mean, you want to do that in the right way, a phased way, but how would you see maintaining that, that culture, which in my view has really set you guys apart as the agency gets bigger? I mean, it's something that we're always you know, thinking about you know, really carefully within our leadership group in, in, in the sports team at Sheridan's. And I'd be fascinated to, to get your views on that. Yeah, I think, um, I think the, the creative agency world is, is one that attracts just really decent people. Um, and that's just, that's just the truth. And I think that, um, I just think by its very nature, um, the, the type of people it attracts, um, want to do good, um, their hearts are in the right place. They're, they're incredibly bright um, they're creative and they acknowledge and appreciate culture and the arts. And I think it, that that's obviously a huge place to, that's a good place to start. Um, I think that we've just been, um, we had a bit of luck. We've always obviously, and I've got to be careful what I say here, but we've tried not to use recruiters um, as in we've tried not to be sold talent. We've tried to, um incentivize people within the team to bring in people they've worked with before or they know their friends and and that's worked quite well for us um i think as well the organic in that sense yeah very much so um i think as well look we 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 have to be brutally honest as well i think culture we're incredibly lucky that we work in a field that is also a passion and i think that we're bringing two passions together so pretty much everyone well, everyone in the business loves sport and loves creativity so you know it's kind of you know i can sort of we can talk about culture and we can talk about happiness in the workplace and we can talk about you know that sort of thing but the reality is when you have a workforce that are all working in their two passions um there's no real secret source to be honest with you um yeah you are bringing those together and giving them a sort of platform in, in which to bring those passions to life. Um, I mean, look, there, there's, there's quite a few things that we do as a business to um, ensure that um, the team spend as much time as possible together outside the office. So that that's various initiatives, obviously pre now, but whether that's going, you know, mountaineering together, hiking together, um, we actually moved a lot of the socialization away from the pub, which was quite interesting. Um, that is something that, again, I think because of the nature of the people we've attracted, um, a lot of the people we've attracted are into, you know, whether it's Ironman, long distance running, triathlon, etc. Now, again, it's not by no means, you know, an Olympic training camp, but it just so happens that some of our socializing is around those sort of events, which, um, from experience and my own experience and my own mistakes, I can I can say that um, you know, two three nights down the pub every week after work, I'm, I'm you know I'm not necessarily saying that that's great for for, for company culture. Um, of course, now you're running ultra marathons at five a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as as is, as is Chris. <laughs> I know it's terrible. Isn't it? I don't know where it's all going to end up. No, but that, 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 I mean, that's a serious point though as well. Is that you know, I, I, it's not about in any way lecturing the young women of the team. Like, yeah, you've got to go out there in your twenties and thirties. You've got to make mistakes. You've got to have fun. You've got to, you know, 
be crawling around so at 3am it's part of course but i think it's you know more and more moderation i think and what we definitely don't want to create is an environment where that is encouraged or the norm and i think that that's the sort of balance we're, we're trying to achieve at the moment um you know i'd never say that you know we're an agency that everyone takes health and fitness really seriously but you know i think we've, we've got a, we've got a nice balance to be honest i've actually been fascinated when you talk about how you um, build that team culture, that team ethic, and I've been fascinated to observe how you guys have been doing that during uh, during the lockdown period. I've seen you be doing these these um, uh, virtual DJ sessions with with lots of famous yeah. ex athletes and various yeah. other various other kind of virtual parties. Where, where did that idea come from? Out of interest, it's fascinating. Um, oh, do you know what? I think that was probably my idea, but I you know, that's yeah. I mean. I, I'm not claiming it, but I, I, yeah, I just called a few old favours to be honest, and um, it's worked quite well. I think it's been, again, I, you know, I didn't think that was rocket science. It was sort of we wanted to create as many normal experiences for people as possible, and um, one of the best things we've done, we've done a daily vlog, and that is everyone in the team has taken upon themselves to sort of diarise, film what they've been up to at home. I started it. <laughs> in quite a serious address to the to the company and then now they've got i mean obviously my and, and my editing skills are appalling we've now got these incredible pieces of film that because you nominate someone at the end of each day so we've only got three more people left in the agency's doing and i'm worried it's background to me because the level of filmmaking is so high um but they've been great because they sort of they book they book in the day really well um so at seven o'clock that gets posted and it's sort of it summarizes not only that person's day, but they get they speak to everyone else in the team and see what they've been up to. So that's been really good. And, and as you guys know, communication is key at this time. So um, that's been really important. We've had um, people like Ben Bidwell, the Naked Professor, who you guys may know, come in and do some talks, yeah, which has been really good around sort of anxiety and, and, and managing emotions around this time. Um, yeah, so we've we've had a few initiatives. We you know we've done a dark horses masterclass where once a week um, a member of the team goes online and in the Zoom will teach someone else or sort of to teach the group a skill that they have or a secret skill. So that's been really fun and interesting. So yeah, I think it's been it's worked well. I think what I am and the other members of the leadership group are trying to do is just get a constant sort of temperature check on everyone. I think. There are so many phases that we're going through with this. I believe that, you know, it, it now feels like, um, you know, what are we with a Tuesday, the 5th of May? It now feels like we are, we're braced for the return. It feels like, I think on Sunday, the 10th of May, um, the government are going to announce what the first phase of the lifting of lockdown is going to look like. And I think that in itself is bringing its own challenge. I think where we, we initially came into this situation all sort of, worried and anxious and there was a sort of the financial implications and the furloughing we've adjusted to the normality but i think as probably more angst inducing will be the return and that's something that again we're trying to manage as a group and you know we're very clear and we will be very clear that you know people aren't expected to be back at the office this is you know even when the government says we can go back it's not sort of see you at 9am on you know whatever it's going to be as and when you're ready you can come back and i think that's really important because we've proved that we can work from home. Yeah. It's worked really well. Um, obviously, to a certain extent, we'll be, we'll be, um, it'll depend what our clients are doing. But yeah, I think it's, 
I think going into the situation, um, I think it was the week of the 4th of March, wasn't it? Or maybe the week after, I think we were quite um, fortunate that we had a good culture. We had good people. Um, our finances were, were in good, good sort of health. So I think that obviously makes it, this process a lot easier. I think what's probably, unfortunately, this period has uncovered is, is if you don't have a good culture, your finances weren't in good health. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's probably the people that are coming about unstuck now. I mean, one, Simon, you've spoken amazingly on, on the, I suppose, on the culture and on the, the people within, within Dark Horses. As a, as a business, how, how's, how's the kind of lockdown period affected or improved or you know what's what's been the impact of the last whatever it is now eight weeks yeah um i mean at first it was um probably the toughest that my time has been at dark horses i think that goes that saying but i think at the, the same time you know from a personal level and from a you know someone being responsible for the business i think that we've spoken about it in the past i think perspective is such a massive thing and you know, going into it, um, yes, the foundations were shaking, but you know, from my personal point of view, whether it were challenges I'd had um, you know, in my life 10, 15 years ago around mental health and um, even more recently, I think you guys both know that myself and my son both had the virus and that in itself just led to a, you know, a really um, tricky tricky for one understatement a couple of weeks at the beginning of this process so actually when it came to when it came to um sorry did did you say something andrew yeah i just think it knocked you for six didn't it yeah yeah exactly so it um it was quite a you know going into the sort of right okay everyone's going home we've got to go home that that week where everyone started working from home and suddenly you know we were talking to clients and and things started to shake I was kind of, I was kind of steeled for it. Now it was hard and it was definitely the hardest, you know, period of time I've had since the agency had been going, but I've got some amazing people around me and, and my COO, Nikki Russell, uh, my FD, Simon House, Dan, Steve, Matt, like we've got such a great group that, you know, we've sorted it out pretty quickly, to be honest. And we established what our priorities were. Number one priority was that we lose no one. Like we do not make anybody redundant. And that is the, the KPI now for 2020. So we obviously, we took advantage of the government's furloughing scheme and we furloughed nine members of staff. We then, various pay cuts were, were taken or, or offered, volunteered, um, accepted around the business. Um, but yeah, after two or three weeks of that and, and it settling down, we um we sort of started to hit our stride and again it's sort of um i don't know why it did surprise me but you know we had two pitches we won them both um which was something that um you know i'm sure when all this is over and even when dark horses is over (laughs) and long gone winning two pitches in lockdown um with a sort of skeleton staff one of the pictures had 12 agencies in it and it was like wow. that, that was probably the proudest moment i've had at dark horses and off the back of that we've got um four charity initiatives we decided to dive into 
um, which was um, the NHS Charities Together Cup, yeah. which um, you guys are aware of. Um, we've got a big piece of work launching with Football Beyond Borders this week. We have a, a big uh, initiative with Calm going live next week. And obviously we've done, we've done some work with Chris and Milestone. So it was kind of like, let, let's steady the ship. Let's, let's do what we had to do to make sure we could get through this period. Um, but then we made a conscious decision to let's just try and do some good and try and help people. And I think, you know, obviously as, as the year is going to evolve, our targets have changed massively and our forecast has changed, but we're not going anywhere. And, you know, we're in no rush. Like we, we will, we'll steady the ship. We'll do what we've got yeah. to do this year. We'll lose nobody overboard and we'll just go again in 2021. Yeah. yeah. It's so important that, isn't it? And I mean, it's important in every part of life, but staying in the, staying in the present and not getting too far ahead. And, and, you know, in, in, uh, maybe in, in our industry, I mean, me and Andrew, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that can be quite, that can be quite challenging. Uh, yeah. but you know, it's the, you know, the, the, that element of wanting to control things is sometimes quite hard to let go of, isn't it? But actually, yeah. in this yeah. during this period, that's the one thing that you know the the, the people, whether it's on a personal level or on a work perspective, who yeah. really thrived are the ones that are comfortable, almost not being in control and, and living kind of day to day and in the and in the present. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a total control freak, and <laughs> I'm um, you. I think what I've kind of just learned to do is just to well, we've all done it right it's not just us it's i think that you just appreciate what's important and everything just your sort of order of needs or wants has just changed my certainly has and it's very quickly as i said we made this statement that well didn't make the statement we reinforced our belief that our people are the most important thing mm. and when we made that clear to the people and the team um everything then just fell into place and as i said we whether it's winning two pitches whether it's the work we've done for charities whether it's the the, the team that you know incredibly went on furlough then set up initiative and now helping charities um that's you know. incredible isn't it that, 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 i saw that an extraordinary it was the one thing uh, of all of the stories there have been it was the one that it just really I, it just inspired me so much that you know you've got you talked about the people within you know people within dark horses and the passion they have for their for their mm. job you know to be put on effectively full paid leave yeah they could have sat watching netflix yeah but actually they they love that they're, they're so creative they're so passionate about what they do and and they have so much um willingness to help uh, which i've experienced personally through through milestone um i just thought it was incredible yeah, and I agree. And it's, you know, had absolutely nothing to do with us. And that's, again, sort of, you know, we, 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 we mentioned earlier about the, the sort of what it's going to look like project restart for Dark Horses. It's sort of, I'm really relaxed about it because I trust the team. Like, it's not a job for them, what they do. They, they, it's their passion. And so whether they're doing it at home, whether they're doing it in the park, in the pub, you know, I don't need to check up on them. So you know, when the gates are lifted and everyone charges back to work, if people want to stay at home and carry on working from home, they can. It's kind of, you know, we have that trust with them. And, I, and again, I think going back to the where we're quite lucky is the size of our organisation. I don't think, um, well, it might be possible, but I think that that obviously gets harder and harder that the, the larger organisation gets and you will undoubtedly have um, 
maybe pockets pockets or cliques develop. But yeah, I mean, we we are thankfully at this stage we don't have that. It's it's fascinating because I'm I'm firmly of the view that the the businesses or the teams um, which will come out of this period strongest are those that are prepared to go that extra mile and, and help others, whether it be clients or, or contacts, contacts or, or friends. And I have to say, I think it's, I think it's fascinating the way, way you guys have, have really plugged into to that mindset, plugged into doing that, the NH Charities Cup, which you mentioned. I mean, the work you did on, on the Milestone project and the launch of Milestone was, was, was simply world-class. And, and it's that kind of preparedness just to, to help others. And I know, Sam, and you're very, passionate about um you know the, the the importance of sport in the context of mental health and how sport can be a vehicle to to to, to help people with mental health um uh, challenges but but you know my feeling is the way you guys have gone about that is, is setting you apart and i think that you know you're, you're going to deservedly reap the, the rewards of that and the benefits of that further down the line that's of course not your your uh, you know objective per se but, but that will happen and i think that is deserved yeah i mean look it's, it's this is not a strategy it's not like a, a sort of new business strategy <laughs> it's kind of it's just it's just something that i think from um the journey myself and a few of the leadership group are, are on in life um again going back to that point about you know what do we really want to do um we have found that um the more we give back on a personal level or to, to charities, um, you're right. Things tend to, to sort of come your way and, and that's worked really well for us. I think it's, listen, we're not, we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're smart business people as well. We're, we're, we're fully aware that we have responsibilities to, you know, obviously get the furloughed guys back, get everyone up to full pay. Um, yeah. you know, we are an independent agency, which is, is benefits us. I, I, I it must be really hard for um, network agencies at the moment that have sort of targets they have to hit and they're being told, you know, CEOs are being told by other people they've got to cut certain numbers of people. So that must be a very challenging situation and I, and I don't envy that. And I think, again, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, being independent has is, is really made this whole experience very different for us, I think, to a lot of our competitors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it gives you, it gives you that flexibility and nimbleness, and flexibility and nimbleness is is, is absolutely key at the minute. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, Sheridan's is obviously a a the specialist entertainment firm, sports, media, music, um, film, and television, all of the entertainment sectors, and, it, and it's it's a large firm in that context, but it's still a a, a boutique specialist firm, and that that allows us to be nimble and. and you know, I'd, I'd say the same about you guys. And actually, there's a lot of mirroring, I think, between, you know, how we try and do things right. at Sheridan's and how you guys try and do things. And, you know, I, I don't mind saying that we we have, you know, we as a, a group, certainly a leadership group within within um, the, the sports department at Sheridan's, we have we've taken a lot of inspiration um, from the way you guys have gone about, you know, building your brand. Um, but, I mean, the, feeling, the feeling's mutual. I mean, you, you guys know Dan well, and we... we yeah. you talk about how you guys operate and i think that that's where i think it's just quite nice where you know as i said we've been at it four years the first 18 months were hard we had a sort of 2018 was sort of a you know real takeoff year 
then last year we sort of we grew up a bit and we had this sort of year of right okay we need to to invest in this in a leadership group um because as i said you know i'm very good at lighting fires and starting things but suddenly i was sort of sat there with 30 people around me and i was a you know a bit of my debt so you know i've got <laughs> experience no it's the truth i've gotten some experienced agency leaders and suddenly now we we you know even with what's happening now we are we are ready you know to kick on and we're quite excited and i think that's um i feel that we are very similar to you guys in that respect the journeys we're on um but also we just it's just nice to do business with nice people i think there's a there's really nice ecosystem of um sort of contacts that we have that um in this you know we've got these shared contacts that that we're all moving in this same sort of ecosystem together and i think that that's really powerful yeah yeah Yeah. one of the i mean one of the things that andrew and i wanted to to talk to you about was the i suppose the work you've done in in mental health and mental health within sport um leaving leaving milestone to, to one side what are you able to give us sort of a, an insight on the work that you did um that you did with with heads together yes i mean that was something that um we picked for that project um with another agency actually called fuse and it was very much around um obviously using the biggest sport in the country um to sort of get the conversation started and it was it was just a brilliant project to work on i think we um we did quite a bit of research and even to some of us, the research that was sort of uncovered was a bit of an eye opener as to, I mean, we literally had um, a couple of our team were, um, were going around on the Saturday afternoon to various football pubs, um, chatting to fans and trying to get their sort of thoughts on mental health. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, some of the feedback, but you can imagine what some of the stuff was said. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener. And I think, that was then when actually you sort of start to realize how much work does have to be done and yeah. how hard it is to get to this hard to reach audience. Um, funny enough, actually the work that we are, that we're doing, um, with football beyond borders, which by the time this podcast comes out, will hopefully be live again is, is getting, um, is it, is it, is the same insights really around getting uh, a hard to reach audience. And this is teenage men to mm. talk about mental health problems. And I think that, you know, going on to obviously your fabulous initiative, it was an absolute no-brainer that when um, we met and spoke about your project, that Milestone was just absolutely something we wanted to work on because, um, you know, n- now really is the time. And I think, again, it's it's something that if, if sport is really honest with itself, it really does need to um, pick up and run with the whole issue around mental health because it's, um it not only has at a, at a professional level um issues within the sport that aren't addressed and are brushed under the carpet but actually as a vehicle that you know young men look up to it yeah. really can do a lot of good yeah yeah and I, I mean from 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 my side you know i'm so grateful for the amazing work that that you guys did on on milestone in terms of just everything i mean you brought i had a this loose concept and you know your team were just incredible you and your team just incredible in really bringing that to life giving it a giving it an identity and it was an absolute like privilege from from my side to see that creative process you know i'm a, <laughs> I'm a lawyer uh don't get to necessarily see that in action but it yeah. was just, you know it was yeah it was fantastic i mean it's really interesting what you're saying around 
the role and responsibility that sport has within the within the kind of mental health sector and um I mean, just before this, I was on a on a call with a, a shared friend of ours, Luke Sutton, talking about exactly that and, and how, you know, what, what role sport can play. And, and his view, and it's one that I, I very much share, is is you have to start at the top, actually. You know, what's the best way of getting to those people in a pub on a on a you know on a yeah. on a Saturday at two thirty before they go to the football? It's it's actually to to start at the very top, and and then it will filter down. And Luke was talking about it in the in the cricket context and how. Um, you know, actually, education at the highest level at the England team will filter down all the way through into the academy teams and below into league cricket. Um, and I think the same has to be has to be true in in in, in football, doesn't it? You know, if you if you can inspire, um, you know, the the next generation or the current generation of of elite athletes to to be open and it's a paradox because you know they're elite athletes and and to to what extent are they comfortable with showing vulnerability in public but the ability to do that and anything that we can do around that um will surely have huge knock-on effects i think it's going back you know we were chatting about leadership earlier as well i think even in the office like this vulnerability among the leadership group is just so important i think you know it's okay to fail it's okay to to get things wrong and i think It's exactly the same message across law firms, creative agencies, professional football teams. Like, it's okay. I think what I'm really interested to see is what happens. You know, this this period of time we're in at the moment. Um, it is interesting, isn't it? I don't I don't know. You know what the repercussions are going to be on sort of mental health. I think obviously it's probably brought it to the surface for a lot more people. Um, okay. The conversation, strangely enough, obviously hasn't been had much in the flesh, but I think we are seeing, I mean, I'm certainly hearing anecdotally, like, and from personal experience, I've never spoken to so many old friends. Yeah. I've been so caught up in my life, you know, usually just running around London on the tube or in meetings that actually, you know, I had a Zoom call last night with 10 mates from uni and we have, you know, that we'd never meet up. And just yeah. think that, so I, I do wonder if actually... The conversation is being had a bit more now and i wonder if this is inadvertently sped up the conversation but it is really interesting i think you do need going back to your point around sportsmen i think obviously they are role models um and i think that as i said this this piece of work we've got going out with football beyond borders um we've got a really good fulham player involved who's one of their ambassadors and it's a really nice piece of work that that basically brings to life that you know when Uh, teenage boys are playing FIFA it's a really interesting place to start talking to them because you know it's, it's obviously a technique of distraction and getting into people and chatting this obviously when you're exercising you can have a really nice conversation what we discovered is that that actually when playing FIFA these boys are really opening up to each other online and chatting so it's a it's a really nice piece of work and again that's something where you know, who would have thought it that, that gaming could be the key to unlocking sort of young men having conversations about their mental health with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And esports is, I mean, it's not necessarily esports per se, but, but more gaming, but you know, that whole world has a, has an amazing opportunity to really make a, make a difference. I mean, and, and actually to, to shift what are otherwise potentially slightly negative connotations around, you know, often unfairly but around that online world and what what happens in in chat rooms and over gaming so yeah more and i've learned that myself in the last few weeks that's been, it's been a real opening for me as well well certainly our experience at the esports industry you know <clears throat> dating back well over half a decade now is it, it is 
a remarkably healthy and strong community and, and you know in the main very much contrary to you know the oft oft held you know public mm. view of what you know gaming is or what esports is yeah. so I, mean, I just want to i just want to pick up on one point you made in relation to, to lockdown and you know reconnecting with with your friends i suppose also you know you, you run a business you have a busy life i suppose there's also that extraordinary opportunity to to reconnect with with um, you know your family, Lucy, and your little boy. Yeah. He's not he's not a celebrity in his own right, I think, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's really the big standard. Yeah, he's um, yeah he. I mean, I, yeah, his brother-in-law put on a, a video on YouTube probably about four weeks ago now. Um, and yeah, we woke up the following day and it had one point seven million views. And yeah, it's, we've had everyone from. The Ellen DeGeneres show contacting us. Good morning, Britain. Um, Brenny Brown, Jenna Franson retweeting, and it, Jay Shetty, and it just keeps going on. <laughs> sort of, it's been great, and to be honest, it's brought so much happiness. And it's just a, it's just a little video of Ralph dancing along the street, saying hello. He's such a friendly guy, anyway. But he, it's a gorgeous video. Really. He says hello to everyone anyway. You're walking along, so now he's sort of there's not many people about, so he's just saying hello and good morning to, to invisible people. So. We're kind of used to it, so we were quite shocked, really, when the whole world sort of started taking note. But no, that, that's yeah, that's been great. It's uh, yeah, because it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's certainly I've, if I'm being you know brutally honest with myself, I actually I've got a you know three year old daughter and a four year old son, and I, I didn't actually, in truth, prior to this sort of you know four or five six week lockdown period, know them that well because yeah. obviously. You have those kind of hectic weeks, don't you? And everything's a million miles an hour. But then, of course, and Chris, you're finding this with 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 the order coming up to five months. That you know, or you'll certainly find this over the next you know twelve to eighteen months. Is that the weekend then becomes consumed with running around at a million miles an hour, but just just doing other things. You know, it, it, it may be you know not work related, but you're still moving around at a million miles an hour, and you're not in any way connecting on any kind of you know yeah. deeper personal level and all of a sudden i've actually you know got to know my kids over the last six weeks and you know some bits of it i love some bits of it maybe less so but you know <laughs> some bits i'm not very good at to be honest um but yeah i completely agree and that goes back to the point we're making about when we return um it's gonna you know i really miss them you know really miss them and it's sort of i wonder what impact that'll have on you know ralph i've been here every day admittedly I've been locked away in my office, but he's fully aware I'm in the office because every now and then he comes and bangs on the door. But um, yeah, yeah that, that, that will have implications. But you're right. And I think, again, just taking the positives out of this awful situation, I think that, I mean, how lucky as well that it's been spring, you know, and entering summer. Imagine if this has happened in November. I think there are a lot of sort of silver lining, not silver linings, that's a bit extreme, but there's a lot of benefits we can pull out of this. And I think, yeah, family time um, has, has been incredible. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree with that more. Um, Simon, what, what we what we tend to do um, at the the so we're coming towards the end of the end of the podcast is is ask a couple of kind of standard questions that we're asking asking everyone and and, and the first one is you and and the, the Dark Horses team if you can speak on behalf of them what's the most enjoyable aspect of working within the sector that you do? God, good question. Um, I mean, there's lots. I mean, as I said to you earlier, I think. You know, people are genuinely working within two of their passions. Mm. I think that something that's incredibly um, fortunate, and again, this is no by no means a strategy when launching business, but we have an office full of experts. So all of them are sports experts, or they like to think so. 
Um, and that is just really interesting because what you find is um, we see, you know, CEOs or CMOs of sports organizations, governing bodies, um, or even brands, clubs, and they'll come in and we'll have meetings. And, you know, you can comfortably leave a 21-year-old junior in an office with a, in a meeting room with a CEO because you'll know they'll have that common thing and that sport and that's what they work on. And yeah. it, again, goes back to that point of sort of speeding up career development because it's not a case, I mean, goodness, when I was a 21-year-old or 22-year-old, 23-year-old lawyer, you'd never be left in the room with a CEO client because you basically wouldn't know their business and you wouldn't have anything to say to them that made any sense. Whereas actually, more often than not, the CEO and CMO wants to speak to the young people who love the sport because they're the audience. So I think that that, that's a a massive, massive factor. And I think, again, going back to sort of um, wellness and well-being in the office, if you have a group of people that aren't intimidated or scared to pick up the phone to a CEO or CMO, or sit in a meeting room room with them. I think that removes a massive part of anxiety of being a junior in any in any industry because yeah. you know, I remember a solicitor walking through corridors and trying not to make eye contact in case I had to speak to someone that I knew nothing about and that, you know that sort of thing. So I think that, that that's a massive massive part of it. Mm. Yeah, great, great, great answer. Um, so future gazing, looking looking ahead. I mean, maybe this has been shaped or your your answer this will change because of the last kind of eight weeks or so, but, but where, I mean, what, what do you think your sector looks like in the, in the, in five years time? Oh dear. Good question. I mean, we, we are, um, we are incredibly lucky that we work in niche. I think we know that we do well. We'll always work in sport. We're not going to branch out into, into entertainment or to music or to, to mainstream marketing and advertising. So, you know, we want to, to, to operate in our niche and get and get better and better. I think the one thing we are really keen for our clients to do, and it's obviously something that is only right for certain clients, but is to really get them to start pushing the agenda on, on some really important issues. And I think we're incredibly privileged to have the ears of CMOs and CEOs. And there's a number of things that, you know, whether that's, you know, people often talk about women's sport, but, you know, what does that mean? I'm, we you know changing the narrative just from away from empowerment i think is incredibly important because it's been stuck on this sort of empowerment message for a couple of years now that needs to to move on i think a big thing we talk about is sustainability like what's happening at the moment is massively shining a light and we're talking to a couple of brands at the moment obviously we work with nissan formula e team but you know i think coldplay before christmas announced that they're no longer going to tour because of the carbon footprint that has like you know, are, are organisations like UEFA going to, to take a lead on that? And, you know, I'm not saying it's, I'm advocating it, but the conversation needs to start, you know, how sustainable, how long-term is it for, you know, 80,000 football fans to travel around Europe every Wednesday night with Champions League, League games? Um, there's a number of issues where we are, we, you know, we don't want just to make, we don't want to just make advertising. We don't want to make posters or social posts. We want to start driving some really important cultural changes and i think we're we're incredibly privileged and, and we're fortunate to be able to help do that yeah yeah you kind of answer my next question which which is where did dark horses fit into that i mean yeah and uh, that's the thing i think you know as an agency that's something we're incredibly passionate about i think as we touched on earlier the the the, the, the pro bono the charity work but ultimately i think we are you know the sort of clues in our name, really, we, you know, we'll always want to be the underdogs. We'll never want to be sort of the favourite. I think, 
we, we quite like that positioning in the marketplace and that informs everything we do from from how we act how we behave you know for the type of work we make you know we want to work make work that takes people by surprise and yeah. this is all stuff that is, is very much in sort of our nature and, and our manifesto as a business yeah yeah no amazing amazing and the the final question totally non-work or sector related but what, what is the i suppose during whether it's during isolation or, or, or before that, what's the one book or podcast or, or piece of content that, that you've read that you or, or consumed that you would really recommend to, to everyone that's listening? Oh my god, that's such a big question. I could take time about three hours. <laughs> oh my god, okay, I'm such a podcast fiend. Um, but <laughs> on books, wow, the one book or, or podcast, yeah, well, you could do a couple of Simon because it's Okay, um, I think the book that I've read the most, which I found most useful um, in the last three or four years, is a book called Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. I think it's a fascinating book, um, which obviously um, talks about leadership, but ego, um, and it's something that is literally something I, I try and refer to every day because every single day, um, there's extracts on that book that help guide me. Um, that's a book. <laughs> Podcast, really difficult as well. Um, you both know that I've developed a rather bizarre habit of waking up at five every morning. Which Andrew is now doing. I'm doing it. I'm on day, day, day five, Simon. How's it going? I'm absolutely exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I hope, it, I hope it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a few months, you'll be fine. Um, but to be honest, the, 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 the reason I started doing that was a, a podcast I listened to and a series of books written by a chap called Robin Sharma. Yeah. And um, he's actually got a book out now called The 5am Club. And that, that was something that, again, just really opened my mind to. Um, do you know what? The one word, actually, that probably is important in all of it is compounding. And I think it's very much around just that, you know, well, you know now, Andrew, you're getting up at five. But, you know, having those three hours extra morning when you yeah. sort of start to add that up over a period of time, um, it's incredible. And I think that whether that's um, being a leader at work, whether that's trying to be a good dad, a good husband, I think just having that time in the morning where there's sort of two or three hours just to set yourself, um, invest some time in yourself, prepare for the day, um, I kind of feel that it allows me to sort of be ready for most things that are thrown at me. And even yeah. in this time of lockdown, it's, you know, people have been like, have you relaxed it? Absolutely not. I've turbocharged it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still doing it. And it's, um, yeah. I, so yeah, in answer to your question, I'd say probably, yeah. Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy and um, Robin Sharma's podcast. Chris, you're, you're, you were a disciple of the 5am club pre Orla, weren't you? I was, was about 50 days into it and then Orla oh. came. Right, what what am club are you now? <laughs> uh, six. I'm oh, six. Right, okay. Well, don't I'm give yourself too much hard time. <laughs> no, no. But I, I mean, I personally found the 5am five, the 5 stuff amazing. I mean, okay, I only did it for a short period of time. Mm. I read, I think I read four books in that period and all I did was read 20 minutes half an hour a day and, and that, that that's was, the compound that's the compounding effect isn't it yeah but also it's you know it's it's, it's 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 i think we spoke about it last week andrew that you know my, my wife isn't best pleased about the 5am club <laughs> but, yeah, i'm so, getting that now as well by the way 
it's um, yeah it's it, listen it, it does it does some good but i think it's yeah you've got to have a very understanding partner <laughs> um mate simon absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and we really um appreciate you taking the time we know how busy you are um you know you and i go back many years i suppose to the late 90s back at the university of kent at canterbury um, and we've you know in many ways you know our careers have you know, going on a not dissimilar uh, pathway, you know, over that period of time. And I have to say, from my perspective, from my team's perspective, it's a source of great pride uh, to watch you develop what you've developed over the last four years um, at, uh, at Dark Horses. You know, we think you're doing some really, really cool, uh, groundbreaking stuff, and you're helping a lot of people along the way. And as I said, during the podcast, you know, we as a team, we as a group, take a lot of, of inspiration from that. And I say thank you so much for for, for taking the time and, and chatting to us this morning. Thank you very much. I mean, those very kind words, but I think, as I said earlier, I mean, it's been great, yeah, working with you guys on a number of projects. And I think it's, yeah, I think that the Dark Courses is very much the, the team. As I said, I'm just the sort of the conductor. They're the ones that play the instruments. So, yeah, I, I'll pass on those sort of thanks to them. Yeah, please do. Please do. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Sheridan Sport Backpage podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sheridan Sport and also subscribe to our back page blogs and previous podcast episodes. You can also share ideas and connect with us individually on Twitter and LinkedIn. Feel free to get in touch with one of the team. Andrew, Dan, Chris, Johnny, Alex, Sarah, Ryan and Elle. Finally, the Backpage podcast is powered by Milestone, a mental health charity aimed at tackling setbacks through sport and in turn helping to normalise the conversation around mental health. To learn more about Milestone and its aims and how you can get involved, visit teammilestone.co.uk or check them out on Instagram at milestone.uk or Twitter at milestone underscore UK. Thanks for listening.